I'll hand it over to Rachel. Today I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Rachel, uh, for the Bible reading. Rest. One thing that I have learned is I'm truly able to understand, appreciate, and be satisfied in my physical, emotional, intellectual, relational, and all the rest that we've been looking into this series, if they are driven or based on my soul finding its rest in Christ. Um, it is the heart of my rest, therefore. Um, I want to appreciate, before we start a panel of questions, uh, to you guys that in the last few weeks you have asked such nice, meaty questions on this topic of rest that, yeah, Pastor Matt has put together some questions and a panel that we can actually answer those questions. Um, so without further ado, how about I invite our panel on the stage? So welcome, um, Pastor Matt. Pastor Iggy, come on, give it up, man. <laughs> Corin, and we have Elisa. All right, everyone gets a mic. All right, Elisa. All right, I'll take it. All right. Um, thank you so much for joining us today in the morning. And uh, we know Pastor Matt and Pastor Iggy. They have been uh, preaching us in this series um, of rest. And I'll take a seat as well. It's going to be a long time. All right. Um, let's meet Elisa and Corinne. Um, Elisa, you were in one of our podcasts as guest. Um, but for those who have missed... Um, uh, tell us about your job and your interest in the topic of rest. Yeah. Oops. So I'm Elisa. I work as a GP and I also do some counseling. So um, I see a lot of how, yes, rest is really helpful to think about when we live in a culture of busyness, myself included. <laughs> so for me personally, it's quite important um, yeah, to think about. And I've observed a lot of struggles in myself and also others in our culture of busyness. So um, as a Christian, as a doctor in my work, but yeah, personally as well. So, yeah. Thank you, Elisa. And Corinne, um, thanks for joining us. And uh, tell us about what you get up in a week and what you find restful. Yep. Uh, well, I've got a pretty full-on job with really long hours. Um, I've got quite a lot of roles in my job, actually. I'm the chief transport officer, the main cleaner, cook, laundry person. Um, probably a big chunk of my time in the day is spent um, motivating people to do basic activities of daily living. And... Um, 
Also, emotional management and conflict resolution. Uh, Yeah, peacekeeping uh, uh, role. And that isn't even touching on maybe one of the most important parts of my job, which is, um, I guess, spiritual formation and trying to, um, yeah, uh, teach the people in my workplace about the Lord Jesus and help them to grow spiritually in following him. I'm a stay-at-home mum with three kids. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling a bit underqualified here, actually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, thank you. Oh, sorry, your second part of your question was also something about yes, rest. Yeah, how do you find rest? Yeah. Oh, how do I find rest? Um, I mean, some things that help me to rest, I love spending time with people. So uh, going for a walk with a friend or catching up for a coffee is great. I also just love some simple pleasures like uh, sitting down on the couch with a good cup of tea um, to have a chat with Ben or sitting out the front to, you know, watch the birds while I have a cup of tea. All right, thank you, Corinne. Um, wow, that was full-on job. Um, well, um, we would start by asking the pre-sermon question to you guys first. Is um, what each of you have gotten most uh, from this series of rest, and things that have stuck you about the topic of rest in the Bible? If you, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've just really loved um, really digging deeper on this topic and. You know, the digger I dug, the more I realised just how big this theme is through the whole Bible. Mm. Um, and from beginning to end, rest is in the picture of the whole story of the Bible. And, and so, um, yeah, I think it just really fascinated me and really helped me to, to see actually that, yeah, rest isn't just a proof of thing. It's not just the day off kind of thing. It's, it's an all of life thing. And so, um, yeah, so I think that was a big big kind of uh, light bulb moment for me just to kind of go, yeah, there is so much to this topic and yeah, and so that's why we ended up doing a whole term on it because I was like, man, there is so much richness there. So yeah, really love just discovering that. Yeah, it's interesting to see how Jesus also, even his mission on this earth, he, he saw it as a Sabbath rest mission actually right from the start. So that really stood out to me that even as he started his ministry, he was declaring it in terms of um, the Jubilee Sabbath, you know, um, bringing the reality of that around. Um, I think for me personally, um, I was, I've been challenging the series about myself and where I find my enjoyment, I think. Like I've, I've been asking myself as I've led my small group and taught this stuff up here just to think, um, do I enjoy God? Yeah, do I actually enjoy God, you know? Or is my enjoyment found elsewhere, you know, my rest elsewhere? Yeah, that's, that's been challenging to me, think through, yeah. yeah. Yeah, personally, for me, I think one of the big challenges was about prayer. So in one of the earlier sermons that Iggy um, did, there was just a challenge about prayer, and I guess for me that lined up well with the book I was reading at the time, also about prayer. So just recognising that one of the key ways I can be uh, trusting in God and resting in Him is just carving out intentional um, focus time each day to pray Hmm. and actually that being the way that I want to see change in my children or in my own heart and life in situations that are around me so yeah just growing in prayer yeah thank you yeah Um, let's get started with um, general and theological questions first Um, so the first question from CP Church is what does Jesus say about Sabbath and what does that mean for how we are to apply or not apply it with the present context? And what does it look like for Christians to think about or practice the Sabbath? So, yeah, um, question about Sabbath. Elisa? Okay, well, I wasn't here for the series, but yes. I, from a lot of, uh, I guess, different things that I've been reading about, and I'm also on um, an editorial team for a Christian publication called Luke's Journal. And we recently had an edition on rest. So I, had, I was thinking about it because I was overseeing that. Um, so I guess one thing that really stands out to me is like, who are we in Christ first? Like rest being relational. So if Jesus really is Lord of my life and also Lord of the Sabbath, um, I think for me... Um, rest is part of what it means to be truly human, truly um, in Christ. So mm. it's relational, um, but also 
we're creatures, we have limitations, um, and it's a way of expressing that by enjoying rest, um, being in relationship with God. Um, so when Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, like he's Lord of all of my life, um, every aspect, including how I rest and enjoy um, him, and also when I struggle with rest, he's Lord of that too. So, um, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Pastor Matt. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, Jesus, in the passage, actually, that, that Rachel read out about Jesus saying, hey, I'm, I'm, uh, come to me if you're weary and you'll find rest. Uh, immediately following that is actually the passage where Jesus confronts the Pharisees about, uh, and he comes out with the whole Lord of the Sabbath thing. And, and a lot of that is actually Jesus pushing back against uh, the kind of Pharisaic minimization of the Sabbath. So kind of uh, they really codified that into a, a whole set of laws about what you can and can't do about the Sabbath. And Jesus really comes back and pushes against that. And it's part of his broader picture of actually saying, hey, you guys keep on codifying the, the law into these tiny little things. And if you can tick these boxes, then you've done your, your job uh, as, a, as a follower um, of God. But uh, Jesus actually consistently he blows up those those laws and says actually uh, it wasn't just about ticking a few boxes it was always those laws are meant to protect something good and, and important and so even in you know, the ten commandments uh, all of the commandments there are protecting something that's good and, he, and Jesus takes that and he blows it up and says hey uh, this isn't just about uh, not uh, killing people this is about, hey, this is about what's going on in your heart, actually. Go and love one another. And he always blows it up. And I think, actually, he does that with the Sabbath to an extent as well and actually says, well, uh, you know, the Sabbath, uh, it's not just about codifying the Sabbath into a bunch of things that you can and can't do on a, on a particular day, but it is actually about an all-of-life thing. And, and Elise talked a little bit about that. Actually, my life in Christ is, is meant to be wholly lived out um, out of my rest in Christ. And so... Um, you know, I think when it comes to the Sabbath, sometimes we ask that question, oh, do I have to obey the Sabbath or not? Um, in some ways, that's actually, I think it's actually, in some ways, it's the, it's the right theological question, but it's sort of the wrong practical question, because I think when you fully understand the Sabbath, and this is really Sermon 3 in our series, you know, the Sabbath was meant to protect protect us from our idolatry of work. It's meant to free us up to be able to, you know, properly spend time with others to worship God together. Uh, it protected uh, employers from, from oppressing the poor and oppressing their workers. Um, and when you, you really blow up, uh, blow the whole picture up, then you start to realise, actually, the Sabbath really was all about loving God and loving others hmm. and protecting some time so that you would make sure that you would do that. And so... Um, you know, when you start to understand that the Sabbath, the Sabbath delight, the Sabbath uh, as it points us towards the eternal Sabbath, uh, I actually think the question that we should ask is, as Christians is, is why wouldn't you want to enjoy and delight in the Sabbath? Why wouldn't you want to take time off to go and spend time with people and enjoy God, enjoy His people uh, and enjoy just being part of the life that God has given us in his creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think when you, when you start to blow up that picture of the Sabbath, you realise the law is, you know, whether you practice the Sabbath as one day in seven, or it's almost like uh, it's a much bigger picture than that. And I think Jesus kind of pushes us towards going, well, how does, how does the principles of the Sabbath work out through our whole life? Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, and so as Christians... Yeah, I think actually it helps to ha- actually set some boundaries around our work and to set some boundaries around when we're going to rest and Sabbath. Um, but don't be contained to like, oh, how many hours or whatever. It's actually a much bigger picture of how do I live at a whole life of rest and delight in God hmm. um, uh, with his people in worship to him. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, the Christian practice can be as big as your imagination can take it. Um, uh, because it's actually about living out that, the good stuff that we have in Christ. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Matt, uh, for that, yeah, changed perspective about how we should look at Sabbath as not something that confines us, but something that is made for the good. Um, yeah, let's move on with respect to time. Um, uh, this is one of my favorite questions. How long should I rest? As in, is there any specific amount that is enough? Five minutes, whole day, or is there any good amount? How can I know when I feel rested? And what are the indicators that most rest is required 
or indicators that someone is resting too much on the side of laziness. You know? So these are two questions combined. So how long should I rest? That's the question. I feel like Matt answered that question. Yeah, I'll, I'll just extend my answer really <laughs> yeah. to the last question, but like yeah. I'll kind of say, yeah, I think once you fully get that, that understanding of rest, then you realise actually rest is, is not, a, it's not a day, it's not a time, it's actually a whole mindset and a way of living, it's a way of being in Christ, that actually I'm living out rest in Christ. And so mm. uh, when you put it like that, how long should you rest? Well, the answer is actually 24-7. Because everything I do comes out of my uh, rested relationship with Jesus, and which puts me in a relationship with God and the universe that is uh, in a right and harmonious way. Hmm. Uh, and so everything I do comes out of that. And so uh, I think when you get that, then you go, okay, well, everything I do comes out of my rest. That means um, I work out of my rest. Yes. That is, my rest even changes the way I think about my work, because now... Um, uh, I can go to work in a way that I'm not trying to prove myself, justify my existence. Actually, I can go to work out of my rest in Christ uh, to actually just love and serve people in the world around us. And uh, so I think the answer is, yeah, it's 24-7. It's a whole kind of life thing. Hmm. And, um, and, yeah, and you won't... I, and just to, to ta- tackle that kind of last bit about feeling rested... You won't necessarily always feel rested 24-7 because I think, again, we talked about the fallen world we live in. There's going to be things that come up, sickness, death even, or um, hardship, work's going to be hard. So you won't necessarily always feel rested, but everything can flow from a heart of, of rest. So there may be, is the question rather than uh, how much should I rest, maybe... Uh, what should I be doing or how much time should I be setting aside to do things that help fuel my 24-7 rest? So even though, yes, I totally hear what you're saying and agree, it might be that, um, but then as individuals we need to think through, um, in order for that to be where I'm coming out of, actually it's really important for me to set aside this amount of time each morning to be in God's word and praying because that helps to fuel my 24-7 rest in Christ. Or actually, it's really helpful for me to set aside Sundays to be at church meeting with God's people and having lunch with people from church because that helps to fuel my working out of rest during the week. Mm. Something like that. I don't know. And, the, and just acknowledging that everyone's different. Yeah, that, as well. that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, sorry, that yeah. first comment of that each person will need to sit down and go, and what is it that I need in order to fuel that? 24-7 rest. Mm. I think that's important because then it prevents us, like that acknowledgement of difference also prevents us from saying, this person isn't doing this exactly like I'm doing, therefore they're not resting well. We have to be very careful about that. So we have to be understanding and gracious to each other in that, whilst also being willing to challenge each other if we do see a brother or sister that we believe, oh, actually this is unhelpful for them mm. by not going on with an assumption about their rest habits and things like that. So, yeah, I think that's important. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, The next question is for Pastor Iggy. Um, At what point does being active or serving on a Sunday mean that it it can no longer be a day of rest? Is serving at church counter to Sabbathing? Yeah, this is a really tricky question. It's a good question. Um, I think we have to go back to the principle we saw in the garden of Eden where uh, Adam and Eve were actually at rest with God, yet they were actually working as well. Yeah, so it was a, it was a work that came out of a, a joyful service, uh, resting in God, uh, with God, in the cool of the garden. Hmm. And Jesus picks that up as well in, um, yeah, in Matthew 12 where he starts talking about the Sabbath and he actually says, well, look at the priest. Uh, they serve on the Sabbath and they're not, they're not guilty. They're innocent, actually, priests, because they're enabling uh, worship of God to happen. Yeah. So I think I want to say that in saying that, you know, uh, just because you do something, it doesn't mean that it's not rest, as we've been talking about before. And Sunday is a prime time that happens where you see everyone who serves us um, in this volunteer capacity, you know, as, a, as servants of God up here. Um, and it does take some work, per se. Um, you know, CP, you know, you have to prepare for this, you know, things like that. Um, and that, because that enables the wider body of Christ to worship God together, 
hear from his word, pray together, um, things like that. So um, I think the question about at what point does it become work, you know, like we said before, it's hard to draw those boundaries. Um, but I think it's important to understand that as one thing. Um, it made me think as I was pondering this question, whether it's a mindset thing, and this is for myself too, how much of when we serve God is a I have to serve God rather than a I get to serve God mentality. I wonder if that changes how we think about our service. And I know I need to keep challenging myself about that too, the privilege and joy of serving God and how much um, yeah, that might change things. But I want to also address, I think, the question behind this question, which is that there are people serving who feel really tired yeah. on Sundays. Yeah. Um, and I think, just to acknowledge, that's okay. Um, and it's okay to rest. It's okay. To, like, you don't have to draw a hard line like, oh, this is, is this my Sabbath? Is this not? Is this like, you, you know, your body, you listen to what your body's telling you to. If you need to rest, rest. And that's okay. You don't have to feel guilty about that. Um, but, yeah, and I, I think just to acknowledge that, yeah. So maybe you want to call Sunday your Sabbath day. Maybe you want to call Saturday your Sabbath day. Like, you know, I, I tend to call Sabbath my, um, Saturday my rest day with my family. Um, I don't think it matters that much, I guess. It's just having the right mindsets towards it and being okay to rest when you need to. And God is, God's happy with you and pleased with you in that sense, so that you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Pastor Iggy. Um, yeah, and I didn't do much. It's all questions from CP and, and Pastor Matt um, put up. Yeah, so um, we are getting into the arena of uh, rest and mental health. Um, so the next question I would like to ask Elisa. Um, so these are two questions. I'll read both of them, but uh, we'll uh, club them together. So as we have discussed a more restful life in Christ, I've felt more guilty and burdened by my lack of rest. Any advice where I have gone wrong? And the related question is, as someone who struggles with mental health, talking about restful habits feels like an additional burden and causes anxiety. How do I rest when I'm really struggling? So, yeah, um, any advice? Well, I want to thank the persons who asked those questions because that's, um, yeah, I think admitting that there is struggles with rest and sometimes with how we apply that in our lives. So, um, yeah, I think they're also worried perhaps about um, uh, not working or laziness, maybe being an idol. Um, so I think, well, back to Jesus, like he invites you we heard from Matthew 11 um, just now that um, he invites you to come to him. So it's a relational um, position of rest. Um, it's, he doesn't design um, this to be a burden. And he um, isn't, it's not a matter of, uh, I think, shame if we're uh, struggling with anxiety. Um, it's like we notice there's differences in everybody. We all have different capacities. Um, we all have different strengths and weaknesses. Mm. So if um, anxiety is something that you're struggling with, it's not anything to be ashamed of. Jesus invites you to come to him weary and burdened. Um, and he gives his yoke, which is light and easy. Um, so first come to Jesus. Um, and then, yeah, I think because we might sometimes feel ashamed for our sins, but Jesus, um, yeah, it's, this is more a weakness, I would say, if it's mental health related. Um, so we don't have to hide from him. Um, the other thing I would say is perhaps it is continuing to turn to Jesus, turn to God, um, if you are struggling, and also um, share with others uh, so they can pray with you so you're not feeling alone. Um, so, yeah, being in community and working that out will be... Um, I would say, part of working through what you're feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think something that I might add to that is I, th- I think there's a, a kind of life skill that we all need to learn that is uh, just being okay with, with what we're feeling and not necessarily being kind of ruled and enslaved by it. So we might be feeling guilty or might be feeling ashamed and sometimes we can associate that negative emotion to then go, well... Therefore, I'm, I'm associating this negative emotion with this whole idea of, of habits and, you know, people saying, oh, I, I should exercise or read my Bible more and now I feel guilty. And then we kind of, kind of go, okay, well, therefore, they must be negative things too. But sometimes our feelings, how, how we feel about things and what our emotional response to things 
can be a whole mixture and can come from a whole whirlwind of different places. Um, and, you know, I think there's a school, I think particularly actually for our generation, like we're, we're a real feelings generation these days. You know, in a previous generation, it might have been more guilty of like suppressing uh, emotion and that sort of thing. Uh, whereas I think today actually a big skill for us is to be able to go, okay, I need to sit and acknowledge what I'm feeling right now. And it's pointing me to something but it doesn't necessarily mean that the answer is, therefore, I've got to run away from those feelings. So sometimes I think just actually acknowledging that guilt, that anxiety we might feel in that moment, uh, and then seeking to try and work through that to actually mm. build up the kind of like resilience is a very big term that gets thrown around a lot today. And part of that is it's sort of related in that similar space. Um, I don't have to try and like medicate those feelings away. Like I don't have to just go and run to food, like, the, you know, the, the stereotypical, I'll, I'll drown my feelings out with ice cream or whatever, that kind of thing. I don't have to do that. I actually have another option. I can just acknowledge those feelings are there and then actually get on to, to the work of, of trying to actually make small steps in the right direction because there's no, there's no question about uh, to make improvements in mental health. Things like exercise, sleep, good diet, uh, time with people and community... Like, there's zero question that all of those things are helpful. And they might feel really challenging to do for you right in this moment, but that um, uh, just acknowledging how you feel about that, but then just making small little baby steps towards those things is what you need to actually start making some progress towards, yeah, finding a little bit more sense of, of peace and, and health in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember there was a, a young adult, one of the churches that uh, I'd been at in the past where, you know, she was deep down in the valleys of depression, uh, you know, in bed 18 hours a day kind of thing. Uh, you know, our goal, what we did with, with some of her friends was to say, you know, you might need to help carry her burden for some of this period. And so what they did was they, they actually, you know, took turns every couple of days. One of them would just go and visit and they would just sit with her at a window outside of bed. That, that was the entire goal. That, was, that itself was a hard thing, but that was a baby step for her just to start doing, doing something. Like, yeah. yeah, and that would have felt very challenging and, and it set to all sorts of negative feelings for her. But, yeah, that was the little steps that you just got to kind of take. Next step was kind of going for a short walk, five minutes, ten minutes, yeah. just getting some sunshine, getting a bit of exercise, get the body moving, those sorts of things. So I think, um, yeah. yeah, that's the kind of thing that I, I would say in responding to... Yeah, just helping us build those skills around how we respond to those to those negative emotions that might stop us from doing the things that we think might actually be really good and helpful for us. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, thanks, Pastor Matt. There is um, um, a question related to that, what you just said. The next question, therefore, is, uh, is it okay not to find spending time with people restful? Can rest look different for different people? How do we think and battle through this biblically? I think, uh, of course, in a sense, like um, God has made us all different. We're all wired differently. Um, And so, of course, rest is going to look different for everyone because they're different. (laughs) I think, um, yeah, so at the sort of simple level, in one sense, yes, rest will look different for everyone. Um, I think, though, some things that are common to everyone, uh, similar to what Elisa said, that we are... Um, yet yeah, made to be in relationship with God. So I think there will, there will be an element of that everyone needs to be relating well to God in their rest. Um, yeah, uh, unite to him through Christ. So in that, like that uh, relational aspect, you probably can't avoid. Um, but yeah, sure, like different people will have different people capacities and some people find being with people uh, refueling and energising Others will find it draining and, like, sapping of their energy. And so those two individuals obviously will have a different amount of people time in their day, week, in order to be, like, at a sort of sustainable level of functioning. I do think, though, it, uh, you know, the human heart is deceitful um, above all else and that it's worth um, everyone needs to check their hearts on things in that too. So I guess the danger there is that, you know, I've definitely seen some friends who say, oh, you know, people, they're just so draining. And so then they've pulled back from small group, you know, not spending time in a Bible study, not spending time in discipleship, la, 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 sort of with the, the, the guys, oh, but I'm introverted, that drains me. 
It's like, uh, I think there might be a point there actually where you're using that as a sort of excuse for sin. And similarly, you know, for myself, I'm a more people person. I think there are times when I, I just need to be with a friend. I just need to talk to someone about this problem. It's like, well, actually, you just need to talk to God about that problem and not be so dependent on other people. So I think, yes, we're all different, but also, yes, let's all check our hearts. Is that, you know, kind of true, just trying to be wise and sustainable, or is it actually you're kind of using that personality type or whatever as an excuse for not engaging in community or not engaging with God or whatever. Can I just add to that? I think there's a theological... Oh, I almost fell off my stool. Don't do that again. Uh, There's a theological reality that um, we are saved not to have an individual solo uh, faith. We are saved to be part of a church. We are saved to be a new people. So I think there's a theological reality to understand that uh, inherently in who we are, we are made to be in community. And that's where we're headed to. We're going to be a multitude of believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, worshipping God together. So relationship with others, I think, has to be part of the picture. And we have to understand that. But, as Corinne said, that just might look different from each other. Maybe you're not going to hold massive parties at your house every week with everyone from church. Um, maybe for you, that's catching up for a coffee with a brother or sister in Christ you know, during the week, just having a little bit of a chat for an hour, you know, or something like that. So, um, so I just want to say, but just understand that the, the reality is that we are a new people together in Christ, and we need to reflect that somehow in our lives, but it might look different from for each person, yeah. There might be a point to even just honour, actually, all those who are real introverts, who, who front up every week for church, and, you know, who, who just go, you know what? Uh, this is my time with God's people, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna, even though it's gonna drain me, I don't, I'll be, I'll need, you know, a bit of time out in the afternoon to kind of just disengage with people and sit in the garden or whatever afterwards. But yeah, I think that's a, yeah, there's a, there's a moment there I think to actually acknowledge. There's there's a lot of good things that happen when you do push beyond those uh, those things and you uh, gift us with your presence. Yeah. Thank you, introverts. We appreciate you. Yeah. 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 All right, uh, let's keep moving on. Um, so, sorry, before you go on, because yes, yes, I yes, think sure. you skipped a question, so I just want to address um, yeah. mental health illnesses, <laughs> yeah. like specifically, um, I think someone asked, how do you know whether it's um, related to a mental health illness or not? So just looking at your basic like sleep and appetite, your mood, whether you're enjoying things as much as usual, mm. your ability to concentrate or your irritability, I guess it's helpful to recognize those signs if they're happening for longer than they should be, maybe like a month or so. But also burnout, like you might experience if you're experiencing emotional exhaustion, you feel detached or you're not getting satisfaction at work. So I guess it's helpful to recognize those signs. Um, and then maybe it's related to... to um, Uh, how we can forget to check in on our hearts, like Corinne was saying, on how we tend to stray off the path. We all have particular weaknesses or tendencies. So I think it might be helpful in our culture to just take time to self-reflect because we are so busy. Um, So take time to check in with your spirit, your body, your mind, your relationships, your work, home life, um, see what resources you need for the week or the month, look ahead um, to the year even and plan for those times where you might need to do something different. Um, yep. Thank you. Thank you for, yeah, I did skip a question because of time, but thank you for covering that. Um, yeah, uh, moving on, we're getting into rest, work, family, relationship questions. Uh, the first one is um, this person is asking, I want to rest better, but I find it almost an impossible task because of the demands of work and kids. And advice. And a related question is, how to find rest spiritually and physically when we have a high demanding job, um, like 15 hours, more than 15 hours of shifts, and time is extremely limited. So this person is saying, yeah, work, kids take 25 hours of my day, where's time? How do I rest? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, um, yeah, I guess as uh, life goes on and your responsibilities and roles increase, it is uh, there are more demands on your time, I guess. You don't have as much freedom to decide what you do when. Um, I guess a few thoughts to that. One is um, uh, you want to maybe check your expectations on rest and make sure that they're aligned with your season of life. So obviously rest 
um, and a pattern of rest is going to look different um, when you're single and working full-time or when you're a student or when you're married or when you've yeah, got a full-time job and kids or whatever. So just checking that your expectations of rest are sort of aligned with your season of life. Um, I think another, oh, yeah, maybe then one other sort of big thing is I guess it's worth looking at um, your uh, commitments and your family's commitments and going, um, yeah, for us, for me as an individual, for us as a family, uh, is this, are the sort of commitments or pressures on us sort of sustainable? Like, like I guess for myself as an example, at the moment I'm not doing any work outside the home, but that probably partly relates to the age of our children, the fact that Ben's still studying as well as working. It's like, you know, we've kind of looked at that overall picture and gone, oh, for this season of life, that is not going to work at the moment, though at some stage in the future that might be something that is a part of our life. So, yeah, kind of it's worth reevaluating. yeah, what are you committed to and are you able to make time to prioritise what you want? Yeah. Um, and then also, I think, just looking at uh, for yourself or your family, what are the kind of rhythms and um, rituals, I guess, in your day or week that maybe help to fuel rest? So, um, and I guess, yeah, discussing that as a uh, family to figure out um, how you can free each other up for those things. Uh, Again, maybe just uh, some examples. It's like uh, in our family, like it's important for Ben in the morning to have his cup of tea and be able to sit down and read the word. So, you know, that's something he does amidst the kid chaos while I'm sort of getting everyone ready because I've got the flexibility to spend time in the word somewhere else in the day. So, you know, that's something that's important for him. So I help sort of enable him to do that. Um, you know, another just little thing might be that, you know, he does bath time with our kids so that I get, like, ten minutes to think my own thoughts while I do the dishes. So, as, again, that, they're just, like, little rhythms in our day that, I guess, give us a little um, piece of rest or help us to do something that helps to fuel that all-of-life rest in Christ. Um, yeah, and then also rhythms of the week as well. Like, okay, it might be, yeah, Saturday morning we have some family time that helps to reset things or whatever. Is that helpful? Thank you. Yeah, I think you, now, you hit the nail on the head with expectations and priorities. I think those two things we really got to get clear in our heads. Um, and you have to acknowledge you're human, you're finite. You can't do everything. And most of us are quite capable people. We you know, want to do everything. We want to be in control of things. That's you know, it's something we're used to. But there's a, I think it's almost admitting that you can't. That's the step to resting better. Yeah, to say, I am a bit weak right now. I actually need a bit of help from God and from others in the Christian community. And that's, um, yeah, that's a good thing, a good step for, for us. For example, in our stage of life, it's hectic all the time, obviously. Um, you know, a big step for us was uh, getting a cleaner, paying for cleaner to come every two weeks. And for Li Ching, she was like, no, we, we shouldn't pay for that. I, I should be clean. Like, you know, that expectation. And obviously she feels that as a mom. Um, you know, she wants to be responsible for the home and things like that. Just being realistic and going, well... What can we do and what can't we do? And don't feel bad about that. Yeah, yeah. That will enable us to love our family and others better. You know, getting help from that. Asking people to come and babysit for us occasionally so that we can actually spend time together. You know, that's a brilliant thing uh, to do. And we shouldn't be scared to do that. If you're a married couple and you haven't been on a date for months and months, then you need to do that, I think. Like, just to spend time with each other because God really values those healthy uh, marriages for the sake of healthy families and our Christian community I think is there to help out. I know there's a lot of people who love babysitting, right? Right? Lots of nods. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've been really blessed by people offering and being willing to do that for us. Yeah. Um, so I think it, it takes a step to just admit you can't do it all and how can I get help in this? That's a really helpful step. Yeah. Yeah. And if I had five kids, I think I'd have three or four cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, before we move on to rest, gaming, and TV and leisure, um, I, would, I don't want to skip this beautiful question, which is, um, what are some helpful ways to best serve our spouse to recognize true rest in Christ? And how can we encourage them to pursue ways of rest which reflect that? Yeah, I came into marriage with, um, with about 15 hobbies, and my wife had none. 
So it's been an interesting journey for us, just talking, kind of wrestling some of that, that kind of stuff out. Um, yeah, uh, you know, over, over time, like, I've had to... I've, I've you know, encouraged her to actually find some hobbies and space. So she was very much in the... You know, coming out of the world, like many of you, uh, you know, very driven... Uh, you know, very Asian, high-achieving success kind of thing. Uh, hobbies are a waste of time kind of thing. Mm. Uh, and, you know, get on uh, to the things that are going to be productive and, and that. And mm. so I think in a good way, she's probably, uh, you know, taking a little bit more time out, a few leaps out of my book to kind of uh, rest a little bit better in that way. So mm. uh, our, our house is now full of plants and succulents and knitting things and... <laughs> and uh, uh, and, and I've learned to actually go, yeah, actually, I don't need 15 hobbies that I have to deep dive into all of them. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I can just kind of stick to, stick to a couple of them and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, Carolyn Russell, in the podcast with her, talked a lot about just how you communicate together. And I think that's, that's a really important thing for couples to be doing, just uh, to have those moments where you can really touch base and just talk about your life, whether... Uh, the kind of uh, life that you see that you think uh, God is asking of you as a couple, as a marriage, uh, whether you're living that out together, uh, both as a family and as individuals. Mm. So um, am I enabling my wife to actually go and, and be able to get some of those um, uh, time out to go and do her hobbies? Uh, do we as a family uh, have moments where we can actually go and enjoy time together? And, mm. and we do all of that um, under the, the umbrella of actually just thanksgiving to, to God and the good things he's given us. And, and I think, you know, the more we can do that as, as a pattern and, and out of thanksgiving to God, I think the more it'll keep pointing us back to, to, to our ultimate rest in Christ. That's what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, thank you, Pastor Matt. Uh, let's get into gaming TV in leisure. I did skip Can I say something as a yes. single person? Oh, yes. Um, thank you. I think it's also, as a single person, helpful to have community and have people invite you out to things, but also don't be afraid to try new things and also take initiative and invite people out to do something. Mm. So... I have seen movies by myself before, but I'm trying to, which I enjoy. Um, but I also really enjoy doing things with other people and trying new things with other people. So, um, yeah, I think it's also helpful to ask for help in that way mm. and um, reach out or just be open to trying out things at church yeah. with other people. Thank you. At work or outside of yeah. church. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and maybe just a uh, thing, I guess, for the mum life or parenting life as well. I think it's okay to find things to do to rest with your children and your family. I feel like sometimes there's an attitude of like, I just need to get away from these people so I can have a rest. And it's like there's a place for that. But also, well, what are some things you can do together that are uh, restful or encouraging or whatever? So, yeah, it might be, you know, one of my regular playdates is with some other sisters in Christ I've known for a long time who've got kids the same age. It's like, well, that's helpful for all of us to be at that time. It's like a bit crazy and there's conflict as well at times. But, yeah, it's something we all do together that actually is refueling for all of us sort of. Or, yeah. So yeah. not just like I've got to get away from the kids or whatever to rest. But, yeah. Thank you, Corinne, and Elisa for covering the singles. Um, yeah, I do also enjoy watching movies by myself um, because I wa- like to watch movies with strangers. And I once went and I was alone in the movie theater. And I was like, okay, <laughs> wasn't helpful. But thank you. Um, uh, moving on to rest and gaming. Um, there are two questions. I'll club them. You choose your battle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There seems to be a negative stance towards, um, stance towards Netflix and TV and gaming. Things that I personally really enjoy and find restful. Uh, can you elaborate on this? And the next question is, how do I pursue being satisfied in true rest rather than settle for the momentary rest I do receive from gaming? How do I rely on my experience of this? And... Why is true rest with God so much harder compared to watching Netflix, which seems so much easier? Um, I think behind this question, this is a, I mean, this issue is really live and it's complex. I think behind this we have to, I think there's a theology of enjoyment, a theology of leisure that's behind this question. Am I allowed to enjoy things in this world beside reading my Bible? You know, is that okay? Or do I have to feel guilty every time I enjoy anything in this world? You know, you can push it to extremes in this way. I think uh, 1 Timothy 4 gives us insight into this. Um, it talks about 
the fact that everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, talking against those people who said, you know, you have to whip yourself, you have to suffer for the sake of living a Christian life. No, God's given us many good things to enjoy um, if they're received with thanksgiving. And that's one question to ask. Are we, is it leading us to more thanksgiving to God as we enjoy these things? That's one question to ask. Uh, just quickly, I think two things about the whole technology thing, whether it's gaming, Netflix, um, social media, whatever it is. Um, I think one of the things is usage of time. I think you, have to, you do have to question yourself, um, how much time are those things taking and is it wise? Could I be using my time in other ways uh, to be you know, in community with others, serving God personally, growing my own faith? Because um, rarely, I think, do any of us feel good after we've binge-watched four hours of Netflix, do we come out the other side saying, oh, that was a brilliant use of time. I just like, like, often we feel quite bad, like we feel like there's something off about that or you've just, you've been distracted for hours on social media when there was something else you should have been doing. And I think that's a valid thing to assess. How, how much of it is it distracting and taking away our time? Because our time is limited as we, as we talked about. But I think the bigger issue, which I touched on in my sermon is, um, are these things capturing our affections more than God is? Do we actually find our enjoyment in our gaming, in our TV, in our social media more than we enjoy God? That's a good question. Like, I'm challenging myself about that. Like, where do I, what do I look forward to? Is it turning my brain off and watching uh, that new series on TV? Is it like, I think that's, that's, a, that's something we really have to think hard about. And mm. I think uh, the book Competing Spectacles by Tony Renke talks about how even things which are... It's not so much an issue of sin. Obviously, if you're participating in media that is inherently sinful, you're watching things with nudity and things like that, I think there's no question about it. That's sin. you just got to stop that. But even things that are just morally neutral, like social media most of the time, um, they, they just keep taking our enjoyment, our affections, our love, yeah? And there's only so much we have to give, Yeah? And is it God that's actually not getting that in the end because we've actually spent it all on the things of this world? Mm. I think that's the biggest danger for us. I think we need to think seriously about how much our technology is drawing our affection and our love away from God. Yeah, Um, yeah, so I think also um, Paul does talk about um, everything is beneficial, everything's pen, uh, permissible, sorry, and not everything is beneficial. And then there's passages in Romans about looking out for your uh, context of relationships, like um, who is around you? Are they, is their conscience weaker? Um, so everyone's conscience can be different too. And um, thinking about yourself as a witness to, uh, to them, your relationships matter. I think your context matters about social media um, and how much you, uh, what you watch. Um, so if you are wanting to, I think, redeem culture, um, I, I think it's helpful to know what your friends are watching, but also um, you also want to be thinking about your own heart because it's going to be changed by what you're watching, um, what you're feeding your brain, because these are stories that people are telling you, and I think we have to remind ourselves of the reality of God, like Iggy was saying, um, our true story in Christ and where we find our ultimate rest and enjoyment. Um, But I think, well, this is a good book if you want to engage with culture. Um, Daniel's Strange plugged in, connecting your faith with what you watch, read, and play. So I think there's a role in, yeah, being evangelistic about um, and redeeming the culture that's around us. Um, But I think you also have to watch out for your own heart and also your relationships around you. What is what is what I'm watching saying to people around me? And also, yeah, wisdom on how you're using your, your time. Um, because things that we watch and put in will change us. And so we have to be wary of that. And I, and I think, though, um, just acknowledging that, yeah, uh, I don't know how clearly it came out in what I said. Like, it's not wrong to, you know, enjoy these things, okay? It's not wrong to enjoy these things. So I just want to say that clearly. But, yeah, like Elisa, the heart's so deceitful. You have to really check your heart, um, especially if you build... Well, it might be hard for you to see, but you have to take a step back and go, is my consumption of these things becoming excessive and unhelpful? Um, from what I understand, Elisa, correct me if I'm wrong, um, sort of numbing yourself with lots and lots of media also is like a sign of, you know, burnout or, yeah, just 
um, from, as I talked about, the pastors and things like that, mm. uh, just getting home and just wanting to watch endless shows sort of things as a way of just numbing yourself to the reality because you're just emotionally exhausted and things like that. So it could actually be a sign of something deeper as well. Um, so I think you really have to take a step back and check your usage of these things and go, you know, is, is there something underneath this? That's the question, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think something has changed actually over the last few years and that is the ease and the access to, to the stuff. Like, look, I'm a huge... I'm a, I'm a real student of film and TV. Um, I've seen at least one study that says that, you know, people who are engaging with stories and books, film, whatever, are actually more empathetic to others because you're engaging in... You're putting yourself in someone else's footsteps. So, you know, there is actually... There's good stuff about engaging with the other stories and stuff that, that's out there. But I think, you know, we used, to, we used to go out more. We used to go to the movies. And you go into the movies, you used to go with your friends and you do stuff. Or, you know, when the television show is on at 7.30 on Wednesday night, uh, you would sit down with your family or your flatmates and you'd watch it together and there was a sense of community. And, and I think uh, one of the things... And, I, and, look, I love streaming because it's brought all these fantastic TV shows out, but it's made it so much easier to develop those unhealthy relationships and habits with with those shows um mm. and i think that's the thing that's changed and i think the p- pandemic actually made it worse uh because i think actually we spend a lot more time indoors uh, it was already going that way anyway but i think the pandemic massively accelerated mm. that um and i think yeah in in lots of ways we can distort you know like our rest can get distorted if actually we watch 10 hours of netflix uh a week but we spend virtually no time in the world. We don't spend virtually, you know, we spend two hours, three hours at church with people and that's it. We don't, you know, we used, yeah, we used to go out more. We used to be doing in the restaurants and cafes and going bowling and doing stuff together, mm. which the ease, uh, the frictionless way in which you can just autoplay onto the next episode. Mm. <laughs> that's the thing I think that's made it actually harder and why we actually have to be a little bit more conscientious about, about our relationship with media. Mm. Um, I'm going to keep talking about this and CP's getting more and more stressed as time goes on, but that's yes. all right. Um, I think, under, yeah, part of this question was about enjoyment, like spiritual rest and enjoyment as well. So I think, yeah, so I, I've been personally really challenged about this. You know, my, my default, I think, after a long day is to go watch some YouTube videos about aquariums or something. I'm, an, I'm a nerd, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I really enjoy that sort of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that in one sense, you know, now, it's made me question you know, where I go to for enjoyment and it's made me think about my affections and what, what can we do to cultivate our affections towards God? That's a big thing. Like, so we actually enjoy spending time with God. I'm reading this book called Enjoying God by Tim Chester. I posted a little clip in the group. A really good book. Um, some of the ch- challenging things he asks us is like, you know, we, we sort of go, oh, we love God, da, da, da. But you got to, you, first question to ask is, do you, do you like God? Do you even like spending time with him? It was actually spending time with him just sort of like a tick box or a burden that you have to do. Mm. You know, how, how do we actually cultivate a, a relationship with God where we actually, actually have affection with him? Mm. I mean, there's no secret formula here, but it starts with really spending good time in the Word and seeing who he is mm. and not just doing that as a theological academic exercise, but actually going to, your, going to the Scriptures and going, what, what do I see of God here? You know, and how am I encouraged and thankful for who God is? You know, Paul Tripp says... If, I, like this, I love this line. If you don't walk away from your scriptures more in awe of God than you, when you started, then you're doing something wrong. You know, we're missing something here. And so often we fall into that trap. Uh, so I think we've, we need to cultivate our affections for God. I think that's a big thing. Because when we do that, um, then it means that the things of this world will seem less appealing, less like this is where we find our enjoyment. I wonder if we need to be more creative about those things. Like um, how Christian music, you know, some of us are into it, some of us are not. I've been listening to a lot more lately. I've been finding it really helpful. Do we, you know listening to uh, worship songs in the car that really uh, ex- ex- you know, proclaim how great God is, you know, and just being reminded of those truths through song. song songs that engage our affections in a way that other things don't. Um, you know, are there creative things that we can be doing to engage our affections with God? You know, in times in the way we pray, our time in the Word, how we're reading the Bible, the songs we're listening to, so that those things, God becomes actually someone that we want to enjoy Yep. Yeah, rather than a thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I go uh, for walks in the early morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, listen to scripture just, while just walking and enjoying, enjoying creation. You know, yeah. just a little kind of thing yeah. about enjoying. Get, go, getting out into God's creation, I think, is a wonderful. Like, go for bush, go for bush. Get out of your house. Go for a walk. 
and just pray. They're some of the best rests I've ever had. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Um, yes, there is time. Uh, but <laughs> um, I would love to keep uh, hearing. This is beautiful. This is great. Great wisdom. Uh, but one last question, therefore. Uh, it's on spiritual rest. Um, what are some practical tips for prayer and Bible reading? And what are some ways we can continually remind ourselves that uh, our ultimate goal of rest and work is to delight in and enjoy God himself as our ultimate price? Maybe you guys can come back to this sermon series in the future and listen to it again. And um, me- <laughs> <laughs> Very practical, yes. <laughs> uh, creative things, yeah. Listening to God's word, using your other senses um, to enjoy God, like um, going out into nature um, mm. and reading God's word outside. And maybe even taking a, a retreat away and doing that with your family, like Church your camp, camp coming up. Um, <laughs> didn't get asked to say that. Um, and uh, yeah, like using taste as well. Like we can enjoy God with food. Um, we can redeem these things that we like, that we enjoy. We love eating together. Why not make it a point to thank God about it? Or if you go to a movie, let's talk about how does, what are some um, gospel elements in the movie? What are not? Like, how does it talk about the fall well? Or, or how can Jesus, you know, redeem this movie? Like, so doing things that um, engage your mind and your heart um, in, in what you enjoy. Yeah, I think definitely uh, what my time in the Word and prayer looks like since I've become a mum is quite different to what it maybe looked like before. I guess some things that help me in this season of life, um, I sort of, you know, usually would just be working through a book like of the Bible that I was reading, but something I found really helpful in the crazy young kid years is having a devotion, like a daily devotion that's just short. So, you know, like there's a Timothy Keller one that goes through the Psalms or the moment I'm using one by Nancy Guthrie about praying for your kids. I've just found it really helpful having something physical um, that has something short for each day, a little bit of scripture, a few thoughts, um, just for consistency. It's something I can pull out while the kids are running crazy around me. Um, it's not distracting. You know, if I had a Bible plan on my phone, it's like once the phone's out, it's all over, everyone wants to touch it, whatever. There's something physical that's like, okay, I'm getting a little shot of God's word at the least. And then definitely within the week, there'll be times when I can sit and read a whole another chapter of the Bible, you know, the, the devotion I have at the moment has a Bible in a year plan as well. So, you know, some days all I'll manage is that one verse on the page and, you know, that's it. Other days I can actually read one or two of the chapters in the plan as well because the way life works, I do get a bit more time to sink my teeth into yep. um, God's Word. So that's something I've found helpful. Yeah, so maybe things to help with, like, regular consistency rather than not. And then also... Um, yeah, like whether it's uh, if, you know, it's all really going crazy and that doesn't even happen, at least like playing some music that's um, through the Psalms or having a few Bible verses up at the kitchen sink so I can at least meditate um, on those things in the midst of my day. There's some things that I found helpful. Thanks, Corinne. Uh, I think variety is good and I, don't, I think sometimes we feel guilty if we don't wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning and spend an hour in the word and prayer like you know all the proper christians do and so we just won't do it because it's a bit too hard um but i think the way we engage with the word we can just in different seasons just mix it up so I, i'm always mixing up the way i do that so sometimes i'll use a devotion sometimes i'll just read through a book of the bible myself sometimes i'll read a christian book and then i'll find the scriptures as i go along and just really meditate on those and try and maybe memorize one of those scriptures throughout the day um, audio Bibles, whatever it might be, mm. as long as you're getting the word, I think God is really pleased as long as you're getting the word into you, yeah? So don't feel like you have to have this set, like, I need to do it like this, otherwise I'm not doing it properly. I think whatever engage, helps you engage with the word, just do it. Just do it. That's what I would re- recommend mm. you do. And don't feel bad if it's not your perfect ideal of what it could be, but just engage with the word because it has to start with there. God's word is what changes us. So if we want to love God's word more, the ironic thing is we've got to just start in it and um, that will help us love him more as well. So mix it up a bit and don't feel guilty about that. That's what I'd say too. Yeah, Yeah. thanks, Pastor Higgy. 
All right. Um, thanks, thanks, panel. Uh, thanks for answering our questions. And uh, give it up. Give it up for the panel. Yes. Um, how about we we go directly into prayer, and um, we can reflect while we have our response song.